0: And welcome to the Latinx of Utah Valley podcast, where we discuss all things Latina OX. I'm your Peruana host, Mari Linares. And with me, I have Elvia and Carlos. Hi, everyone. My name is Elvia Naya. Um,
1: I was born in Mexico. I moved to the U.S. when I was three years old. I lived in San Jose, California, and then I moved to Kearns, Utah, basically I lived there. And
2: now I'm here at Utah Valley University. Well, my name is Carlos Alarco. I'm an administrator here at UVU. I work for the Office for Global Engagement. And I also work with students through the Racist Club and other clubs as well. Uh, Originally from Peru. up in Australia. And now I'm here.
0: Okay, guys. So for this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about the Dreamers program and the DECA program. Like, talking a little bit about that. So... Elvia and Carlos, could you guys tell me a little bit about the DREAM Act? What is it, and is it the same as the DACA program? So, first of all, the DREAM Act stands for Development
1: Relief Education for Alien Minors Act. That's what it stands for. The DACA Act stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So... The Dream Act is just like an act that's just relief really for it basically would say the same as DACA that's what they want but for so, actual so, citizens So
0: dreamers and DACA that's they're the same thing.
1: No, they're not exactly the same thing cuz the Dream Act is just basically how would I say
2: this So so yeah, let me um so DACA doesn't give any sort of pathway to citizenship. Yeah, okay. It's basically just temporary. <laughs> That renews every two years.
0: And it's basically, it's more for education, right? Education. Mm -hmm. Okay.
2: It it permits them to be here um, temporarily, I guess. Yes. Until they decide to pass more progressive or more, not progressive, just better structured immigration policy.
1: Mm. Okay. It helps them to not get deported, basically. That's kind of what was the program made, was that so students would not be able to get deported. That was
0: basically it. So they can continue mm-hmm. studying and, okay. and
2: working. The DREAM Act is something more expansive, which lets them actually gain a pathway to citizenship. And it's not like just, hey, you're going to become a citizen. Yeah. There's a lot of sort of ways, uh, a lot of sort mm-hmm. of things they have to do before they can become a citizen, but it's a pathway towards citizenship. Again, these are to target children, who people who arrived as minors to the US. So they, they came here with their families, and then this is offering something, a pathway for them to become citizens of this country and productive citizens and it's
0: like country. the children that came when they were very very young
2: correct they the, didn't have a choice
0: yeah. the dream act would be a bill
1: passed to congress that has never been passed
2: so coming back to the um the dream act the one of the separations because like Elvia said it's, it's an actual act a, a law that can be passed that has been passed which was initially um, introduced into the senate in 2001 by orrin hatch from utah and Dick Durbin from Illinois.
0: So a senator from Utah mm-hmm. and from Illinois were the ones that brought the, the DREAM Act? Okay, mm-hmm. they brought it to Congress. Yeah.
2: They introduced it to Congress and as, a part, as sort of a, a way of dealing with, with what's happening in this country. You know, people mm-hmm. came as minors. Technically, you're breaking the law coming in. Mm-hmm. But when you come as a minor, you're not responsible. You yeah. just came with your family. So they're saying, people are here. We need to do something to give them a pathway. To help them while they're here and the fact that someone from utah who's a republican who's pretty conservative for him is pretty um pretty good mm. for that to come up and it hasn't been passed at all yet it's in the
0: works still it's
2: still in the work it gets introduced but it gets knocked back mm. so because people a lot of the things that people don't know
0: There's misconceptions, misconceptions about what misconceptions, it is yeah and just, we'll be talking for those who are listening we're going to be talking a little bit about those misconceptions about the that guy in dream act um later on in the podcast but that's cool that it was introduced by a senator from Utah and a senator from Illinois to Congress. That's pretty interesting. Um, and as you guys were talking how the DREAM program, is it DREAM program or DREAM Act? Uh, DREAM Act. Okay. As you guys were talking about the DREAM Act and the DACA program,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, as you guys were talking about those, you guys mentioned a lot about immigration and about how it's a relief for those who were pretty much brought to the US on someone else's accord. Like, it wasn't by their own choice, but they yes. were brought here. Because um, they kind of are stuck now. Like, they don't have, like, they didn't have a choice to come here. They were kind of just brought here, especially young kids that mm. were, like, too young to even, like, know left from right. As you guys were talking about immigration, like, I had a question. What do you want people to know about the whole immigration process? I think a uh, like one of the best answers to that
1: question is that it's hard and that it's that it's completely difficult and it's long and it's it's a very misconception that people there's a lot of money it takes a lot of money Mm -hmm. and it's like a lot of people believe that's like oh it's just so easy or it could be done in less than a year it could like you You don't have to pay that much yeah it it takes years even even with something as an adoption as a marriage mm-hmm. you, people even think then that it's oh it's so easy you're just getting married or oh it's so easy you're getting adopted like it shouldn't take that long it does it takes, it takes a very long time. it takes a very very long time mm-hmm. and then also the money that you put into lawyers the money that you put into the whole process because everything everything is not free and mm-hmm. nothing nothing's free and nothing's cheap lawyers you have to pay them to even submit an application you have to pay. Anything, any little thing that you have to submit through the immigration process, you always have to pay a good amount of money.
0: Okay. So for those who were listening to the episode last week, you were able to hear that I am from Peru and I immigrated here to the U.S. when I was little. And the other guests that I had on that episode, like many came from immigrant parents or were a mixture of immigrant and non-immigrant parents. Or we're also immigrants themselves. So, here sitting with me, we also have, like, as Elvia was talking, like, and Carlos, like, as you heard them, like, Carlos is born in Peru, immigrated to Australia, and then immigrated to the US, and then Elvia, like, Mexico, and immigrated to the US. Um, all of our experiences are gonna be unique. Everyone's gonna have a different perspective on immigration, depending on where you came from, and also what you like. Just your own, your age, just everyone's going to have a different perspective and experience. So keep that in mind as you continue listening to this episode.
2: One thing I want to bring up. So do you want to talk about my thoughts on immigration? So maybe something that the people listening that may sort of think, well, you know, um, immigrants Mm -hmm. are just coming here. So there are legal laws in the U.S. and international laws about seeking asylum. So people, many people, people who come to the U.S., because we're talking about the U.S., immigration to the Mm -hmm. U.S., many of them don't just come because they want to come. Many of them, they're fleeing from Mm -hmm. problems in their countries from all over, like mainly from Latin America. So they're coming here trying to find safety. And many times the process to seek asylum is very long and not um, not always fair. So sometimes people, they just risk it. Anything mm-hmm. is better than what they're experiencing. So, That's true. people need to think about some of the things that would force you to leave your family. Because many times people come here with just maybe themselves or just their immediate like, children, mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. sometimes not even with their children, just part of their family. Because they're just trying to find something better, That's something safer, safe, something, something safer. For themselves, than anyone would be. You look at the people in Ukraine, like a couple of months ago, they were living a pretty standard life. Now we people, like millions of people are leaving the country. That's how quickly things can change, and so we have to sort of think about that. Um, people usually migrate because they're seeking asylum. They're seeking asylum because there's there's things that um, it's dangerous where they are, and they want something safer, which is what we all want: safe, safety for ourselves and our families, and for the future.
0: I like that mm. kind of like when we see immigrants or when we think of immigrants. Like instead of judging the fact that they are immigrants here, asking yourselves, what could have been happening where they're from that brought them here, that made them come here? I think that's a great example too. I think, like you
1: said, it's not, people don't really think about like, oh, the lives, like you have to also think about like, oh, people just think immigrants, like, oh, just immigrants. Like, sometimes they have such a bad misconception of them. Like, oh, immigrants, like, oh, they just came illegally or like trying to do bad things. Mm -hmm. But like, you also have to think about that, that if you came and you know, like parents as well, like when you know they left a whole country, a whole country, their families behind and everything, just took their maybe immediate family and they crossed the border. And you have to think about like, They risked everything with their families, crossing the border, whether it was swimming, whether it's, like, going under, anything like that. They risked getting shot. They risked drowning. They risked a lot. They risked, even then, when they made it, they're still risking everything by having... Existing here. Like, they don't know the language. They have to find jobs One not having papers. And then a lot of people are like, well, they could have came, like, legally. That's another thing. That's, like... That's a misconception. That's yeah. like, how long do you think that it takes? Because it, it takes a while. Like I said, it mm-hmm. takes money. It takes a while, and not a lot of people get to get accepted, even or even get a visa to come mm-hmm. to U.S. and to visit. So it's like you have to think about that. They had to go through major things and major life situations where they decided to risk everything to come to a country where they don't know nothing about, they don't know the language, and they knew that it would be a very hard risk. But like Carlos said, it would be, anything would be better than staying where they are.
2: Yeah, uh, just to add, so many people, in, people listening, people, many people in Utah have family like for generations, mm-hmm. big families. Imagine you come to a country where you don't speak the language, you have no one. I know people personally who have no one. And they can't go back to their home because they'd be, they wouldn't be able to come back. They, they're overseas or they're here, Mm -hmm. Families, parents die, people get, um, Mm -hmm. big family events happen back where they're from, but they can't be there because they're here trying to build a better life for themselves and also for their families. Many times these people Mm -hmm. work hard and they're sending money back to help support their families over there as well.
1: And going back to like the whole Dream Act DACA, like, yeah, like the kids, the children, now even teens now, adults now, but when they came, they were children. They did they didn't have anything like they like you said they didn't have a choice Mm -hmm. that's why the dream act and DACA was created right but yes kids didn't have a choice but the parents did and even then what the parents did it was to protect them everything parents are Mm -hmm. doing the whole family life situation where they had to come illegally it was like I said a big risk and it was something that they had to make and even knew then that their kids it was still going to be hard for them because they were still here illegally but Like I said, anything would have been better than just staying where they were at.
0: Okay, and even like with my own experience, because when I was living in Peru, it was during the era of Fujimori, and there was a lot of political and economic turmoil. Um, None of the streets were safe. Like there was a lot of like, it was a lot of chaos. And at that time, Peru sent visas over to No, the U.S. sent visas over to Peru to get people out. And my family happened to be one of the ones that got those visas, the green cards, so we can come here and we could, like, leave, like, the chaos that was happening at that time in Peru. However, only me and my parents and my brothers were able to come. My Diaz, my aunts, and my uncles and grandparents, like, all of my extended family, they all, like, None of them received a green card. It was just my immediate family. So for me, like growing up in the US, like without my family here, it was a very big, like the feeling was very much loneliness, but yet also you found family and the people around you. You almost had, you were almost forced to make family out of everyone that you met because you didn't have a cousin here. So you would joke and call your friends your cousins or call like your best friend's parents, like, you you would call them your tías, like, your aunts, because they weren't here with you, so you had to, like, make family wherever you went. Um, but it's just, like, a feeling of displacement. Displacement, mm-hmm. but also, like, adaption. Like, ad- not adoption. Like, y- displacement and adapting. Because mm-hmm. um, I would be hanging out with, like, friends who I would call my family. I would call them my family. And... They would tell me sometimes like, oh, I can't hang out because I'm going to be going to my grandparents or actually me and my cousin are going to go on a family trip. We're going to have our reunion or like 20th annual reunion. I don't know. <laughs> and I would be like, OK, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll see you like later. But deep down, I would feel very alone because I didn't have that. I couldn't experience that. My whole family was like in Peru, minus my parents and my siblings, which I was, I'm i grateful that I have my parents and my siblings. And I know some people don't even have that, but just watching other people, watching, watching people's families grow, and watching them do like family, like history or genealogy work, and showing like them showing me like all these photos that they have of their families from generations, to generations, and then like having like a tradition that they all meet like at a summer, like during the summer they'll all meet up and do like a family activity. Like I wanted that, but and that's one thing that people forget to think about when we see like immigrants is that we deal a lot with feelings of displacement because we're here but yet we're there we're, we're our who we are is back home and also here our family is back home but also here we have to navigate the unknown and we have to create family from people from the people around us from people who are strangers they become our family they become our adoptive family
2: <laughs> well I, I can sort of I just think of, so my, I moved to Australia when I was a little boy, three years old. So again, I had no family, just like similar to you. Um, and you sort of get used to it, not having family, yeah. even though you miss it. Because when I used to go back to Burdu infrequently, as a little kid, you get to meet everyone. But then you come back, there's no one. But as you get older, you start thinking, empathizing with your parents, thinking, wow, mm-hmm. it must have been really hard for them. Because they came and there was no one. They mm-hmm. had to sort of navigate everything, language, mm-hmm. everything by themselves, with making friends and helping them. That's really hard as mm-hmm. an adult to come in mm-hmm. and uh, try to f- start a new life, especially when you're really far away from family. Yeah. Think and you, you not have the luxuries of like internet and all that stuff, so.
1: Yeah. now, as you said that, I was also thinking about that while Mari was speaking, like as hard as it is for even the young kids and everything like that, the parents, I feel like you sympathize, you empathize for the parents mm-hmm. because it, like I said, like when they come, it's like they know that they're risking everything. But at the same time, like, yes, for their kids, but at the same time, they are knowingly knowing that they, there is a chance that they will never see their siblings again. There is a chance that their parents are going to die of mm-hmm. old age or anything of sickness, any. They can't come, and they know that they're probably not going to see them again, Mm -hmm. as well as their siblings, as well as the family that they grew up with. But they're leaving to give the family that they made a better life. So it's like, as much as it is, yeah, hard for the young kids and everything, like, you even grow up and you even sympathize for the parents, like, wow. Like, now even being our age or anything like that, it's like, oh, I I can't believe that. Like, I can't believe that parents do that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, oh, I can't imagine, like leaving my parents you know like leaving my dad like oh that, that would be so hard for me like I couldn't do that but it's like
0: but they did it
1: they did it mm-hmm. so it's like if I'm saying this right now how do you think like they felt when they actually left
2: yeah, yeah. maybe they were
0: bringing their whole family with them well not their whole family but like their kids and mm-hmm. like their spouses or partners
2: mm-hmm. like nowadays it's easier to keep in touch with people like a Facebook Instagram yeah. online twenty years ago that this stuff didn't exist. Yeah. You had to make yeah. fun and it was really expensive. Or you mm-hmm. wrote letters, or you recorded cassettes mm-hmm. and, and my secret. dad,
0: he would used to have all of us sit down on the table and we would write a letter to my abuela. Um, her name, um, Aurita Teresa. She passed away. I wasn't able to see her since I left and then she ended up passing away. Um, but he would have us all write letters and send it to her, especially because she like technology wasn't as advanced then as it is now Mm -hmm. and even her like she was very I wouldn't say old school but (laughs) (laughs) letter writing was like the thing for her Mm -hmm. and my mom like when she wanted to talk to somebody like she would have to go to a store and buy like the card that allows you to dial an international number and even that was so pricey so it was only like four four minutes was Mm -hmm. like I think a couple bucks like
2: it's expensive.
0: It was really expensive. I mean, now we have like we have WhatsApp, which everybody usually gets on, and that's oh. what we do international calls the WhatsApp. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and who, for those who are listening, um, whether you be a student or you be an adult who just got here, you yourself are, are an immigrant. Como si los que están escuchando. Um, Sea que eres un estudiante o eres un, un adulto ya, o adulta. Todos adulto, ¿no? Uh, okay. Si, si eres una adulta, también este este episodio um, queremos hablar sobre también no solamente los niños y no solamente la familia que se deja cuando nos venimos. Like, I don't want to just talk about, like, the family that is left behind, like, when we come here. But as you guys were talking, like... The parents like they have to leave like their kids and their families. Um, I know that my dad like when my grandma was passing away, he was in a lot of turmoil because um even like flying to Peru, like a ticket was like I think probably like fourteen hundred or fifteen hundred for one person. And being immigrants, like you start at the bottom, like you do not have like money that is handed to you. You have to build that money. You don't have any generational wealth. You have to build it, and. To be able to, like, come up with that money out of the blue, it wasn't possible for us. So my dad had to, like, st- we had to stay at our apartment in Lehigh at that time. And we just were on the phone, and my dad, like, he when, he, when his mom passed away, when my, like, grandma passed away, he just—all he could do was stay on the line. He couldn't see her, and he couldn't be there. He couldn't, like, be there with her. He just— he had to be there with her, like, over the phone, but he, it was different. It is not the same.
2: Sorry.
0: But um, but adding on to, like, the immigration, like, and as we've talked about how it impacts parents, um, personally for you guys, like, how has immigration impacted your lives? Like, and how do you think it impacts, like, children's lives? Like, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, but now uh, expanding a little more on it.
2: I can say a bit more, I think. Because I'm an immigrant twice. Yeah. <laughs> Got the double. <laughs> it, it does impact, even though I come from an English speaking language, English speaking language, uh, English speaking country. Actually, <laughs> because I come from an English speaking <laughs> country, the fact that I'm Latino or mm. Latinx um, has impacted because you, there's not the same level of discrimination you feel here as you feel in Australia, at least that's my experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are pretty open to people from around the world in Australia. Come to Utah, people, you know, they they assume a lot when looking someone who's brown, a Mm -hmm. person of color. And it impacts your work because you have to pretty much start again. So even if you come from an English-speaking country, you have to start again. You have to start from the bottom. Maybe not completely, but I mean, you still have to sort of build that sort of a a network of friends, build a network of um, work build experience, all that starts again. Many times that stuff doesn't come across even if you speak the same language and the way you look does, in, does influence, I've, I've felt it. I've mm-hmm. felt discrimination, so I mean, mm-hmm. um, yeah. That's, that's just one of the things I would speak about. But.
1: Yeah. yeah, going on to what Carlos said, it's like even from California to Utah, Even then. even
0: states. Huh?
1: Yeah, even states, states, moving states and everything like that. Like, California, we know it's a big um, minority state, a lot of Latinos, Latinas, everything like that. Like, we know that. But coming to Utah, it was definitely such a big difference as (laughs) well. (laughs) But even then, like how Carlos said, you do feel discrimination, like, even if you think like people are so kind here, everything like that, like... They'll try to hide even the most passive aggressive comments Mm. of like, Oh, but you don't have an accent. Or like Yeah, I get that one a lot. Why'd you move? Or stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like it's such a passive aggressive Or like, Why are you here again? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's definitely weird. Like I I um I work at a Peruvian restaurant actually. And then (laughs) even then it's like a lot of um come in and I'll be talking to them like oh but where are you from I'll say Mexico and then they like, oh, you don't have an accent and they think yeah. it's a good
0: thing to tell you, you don't yeah have an accent.
1: or or even then like I've gotten ones where like they wrote in the tip like oh I like your accent I was like what accent like <laughs> it's like I I've grown up here my basically my whole life mm-hmm. in the U.S. like I, I don't believe I have an accent and so <laughs> it's very weird for me to like know that there's like I think I have more of an accent when I speak Spanish than I do English.
2: Yeah, I think um, two things I've noticed. That people, as an adult, people may assume that you're not educated, for one. Mm -hmm. Or that you don't have a job that, that you do have. They just assume also... Hey, do you know people who can? I've heard this. And I dripped my face. Like, hey, do you know people? Do you cut? Do you cut? Do you do gardening? Do you know people? You know who? Do you do yeah, lawns? Do you do just landscaping? assuming
0: that you do the, the, those yeah, kind of what, jobs. what what they yes.
2: what they hire people that they normally see. So they just assume that, mm-hmm. and they assume they you're from one country, yeah. or they assume just you They assume there's a lot of um, biases and, yeah. and assumptions made by the way you look, regardless very, of the way you speak.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's very derogatory, even to like, like, it's very derogatory to our own community. And going on to what Elvia said, like how most comments are made very passive-aggressively and they're not exactly like, outs- they're not said directly, they're usually through, like behind other comments that like the passive-aggressiveness comes out. Um, Cause I lived in Texas for a little bit. um, And I remember like when I was in, I went with a friend, like we went to like someone's home. And my friend, she is very much, like, born here, no Latina inside of her, like, comes from a line of, like, I think, I think she told me, I think it was, like, a line of, like, settlers, pretty much. So, like, very much non, like, ethnic. And we went to this, like, lady's house, and the lady was very, like, like, there, at least, like, in my experience, it wasn't, be, it wasn't pacific, it was very much, like, outspoken. Because when I went there, um, my friend, like, the lady was like, yeah, you could just sit here and stuff. But for me, like, the lady told me, like, not to touch her stuff, not to sit on the seat. She told me, like, you can't, like, no, like, do not break anything. Do not, like, do any of this. So I just had to, like, stand there and just kind of, like, almost kind of take it, like, uh, because I didn't really know her. And so I was like, okay, like, but it, it it was hurtful. Um... And sometimes, like, people who come from a line of, like, non-ethnic background, they also, when they see that happening, they do not understand that what is happening to them is not, sometimes they notice it, and they notice a problem with it. Other times, like, it is not easily noticeable, Mm -hmm. at least not to them. Because after that experience, when I walked out with, like, my friend, and we were walking, like, back home, um, I was upset, and I was hurting, and... But she didn't understand why. She was like, oh, if something was upsetting, like, just brush it off. Like, it's no big deal. Like, just focus on something else. Like, come on, we just got to focus on something else. And it's because she doesn't have that experience and or um, lived... Yeah, she doesn't have those lived experiences to understand why this was a problem. But even so, like, I don't know, like, it comes down to, like, are we are we responsible for educating people on this sort of thing? Or are people responsible for being their own educators? Because at that point, it's like you're choosing, people are sometimes choosing ignorance on their own. But, yeah. I think that's a great thing. Like how you said,
1: do um, relate to that a lot. I've had like similar experiences as well. Where it's like people don't really see what they're even saying is wrong, or like even like stereotyping immigrant stereotype, stereotyping the whole Latinx community itself. Like they they don't see what's wrong with what they're seeing. and it's like, how how do you not see this? Sometimes it's like, it feels like really pure obvious. bliss mm-hmm. that they're they're just ignoring it, and it's like how oh, for for us for like other brown people it's like. How are you not saying what you said was wrong? Or, like, they try to hide it in such a positive way as well. When they, like, how Carlos said, when they ask, like, for those jobs and stuff like that, they're like, why are you asking me? And, like, why aren't you asking other people of your friends? Like, why just me? It's like, even sometimes, even having friends that aren't Latinx, it's like, it's kind of hard sometimes, honestly. Like, I I had been talking to this with my friends that, sometimes like as much as you want to um also yeah educate other people and be like oh like yeah they'll they'll kind of get it and stuff but it's like your community truly understands you and truly understands like what it means to be Latina or what it means to like be a whole Latinx community or those like little comments that really bugs you or like you can't brush off because it's like you don't understand but it's like other people do understand
0: yeah and as you were talking about how sometimes people get uncomfortable like and again like this isn't for this isn't everyone I have had moments where mm-hmm. um I would go to a store and someone made a racial remark at me and someone like behind me would just jump in and like be like hey yeah <laughs> and i was like you go <laughs> um, mm-hmm. especially cuz like i'm pretty shy and so but and, and like during those times i didn't know english very well so it was really nice to have people that were very much like they educated themselves and mm-hmm. they were also like they were allies yeah um but as you were talking Elvia about how sometimes stuff happens in front of people's eyes and they choose to look away from it Mm -hmm. i thought a lot about when um when a lot of the racial like i mean there's a lot of racial stuff going on right now but back with mlk and john lewis um and one of my favorite quotes by john lewis is when he says get in good trouble necessary trouble and it's something that MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., <laughs> something that he also um, accentuated through the way that he he was, like the way that he was, mm-hmm. uh, because there was a lot of um, like rules, like.
2: Well, the, you mean back at his uh-huh. time? Mm-hmm. So there was the Jim Crow laws, the basically yeah, segregation. Yeah, the Jim Crow laws. Okay. Segregation.
0: segregation. Okay, so like back during when there was segregation and like during the Jim Crow laws. Um, Some people were on the same side as those that were black or colored. And they didn't want to see, like, any of this discrimination and segregation go on. But yet, when they were faced with, like, situations in front of them, they turned their head away because they were afraid of the contention. They were afraid of the chaos that would break. So they were living in false peace. But, and that's, I think, what is happening now. But now it's more subtle. Mm -hmm. It's more behind the doors people see things happening in front of them people see discrimination happening in their own screens as they're watching like they see something being said that is very derogatory to latinx Mm -hmm. community or in if they have a friend sitting next to them like they're still watching the same scene um or they see it like on tiktok or on youtube or and they don't stand up for it even though they believe it's wrong they keep like watching it because they do not want to Create any sort of like chaos within their false peace. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
2: That's true. Maybe going back to the you know the, the whole immigrant experience. I think, like you were saying, um, people sometimes choose just to ignore mm-hmm. because it's easier just to say, it's oh, easier. everything's just ignore it. Yeah. It'll go away. Mm-hmm. Because like it's, someone else will take care of it. Someone that. else take care of it. Not yeah. Me. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. I've got other stuff to do. <laughs> but um, yeah, the it, the immigrant experience. You have to be an ally to
0: mm-hmm. really
2: educate yourself. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, it's not easy to empathize with an experience that you don't have. Mm-hmm. But it can be done. Going back to sort of on DACA and students coming here to UVU, I mean, people, so many times the students that are coming to UVU, whether it be DACA, undocumented, mm-hmm. many times they're afraid.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They're afraid of, you know, potentially being deported or def- afraid of DACA getting cancelled or removed. What I would say to them is there are allies on campus. So going back to that conversation about allyship, that we have a shared experience. We may not have that particular experience, mm-hmm. all of us, but we do have the experience of wanting to help and that we have the, that overarching experience as immigrants in whatever shape that takes. I like that, that. And we can empathize with them and we can listen to them. We don't have to be like, I work here. My job isn't to work with students, but I do listen. Yeah. And sometimes all you, want, all you need is someone to listen to yeah. you. And and be and be a friend doesn't mean it has to be your best buddy, but be a friend, you know, mm-hmm. just listen to you and, and just you just want someone to listen to you mm-hmm. and to your concern. And just to show like empathy that, you know, there are people who care. But we can't change laws, but we can actually change someone's life just by listening and just being being supporting them mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. their struggles.
0: Yeah. And as you were talking about the being allies, especially to those who are coming into, like, universities and colleges. Like, they're going to have allies in their universities. Um, And going back to that, how, like, what is the process of getting DACA? Like, what is that process?
1: So, the process for DACA, it's actually pretty long, and it's actually a lot. So, first and foremost, you do have to, before even, like, have to get a lawyer, Basically, and then after that, um, the lawyer will have to tell you that you do need the paperwork done for it. And what actually the paperwork is for DACA is proving that you have never left the country at all. So you have to prove from records, from sports, from pictures. Honestly, like even, even
0: sports, even if they do like a sports trip to another place, yeah, you can't, you can't go.
1: No, if you are out of, you can never leave the country. Mm-hmm. If you are undocumented, and, like there's no coming back, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, there is like ways that obviously people sneak back in or stuff like that. But usually once families come in, they don't usually go back to your country because they know they're risking that. And as well with the kids, they, they don't go back. So you have to prove with DACA that you have never gone back to your country, never gone back to another country, um, that you've just always been in the U.S., you have to prove it by school records you have to prove it by pictures honestly like even the pictures they have you have to make sure that you have the specific date for it like let's say in the back where like it has like that date or stuff you're missing like a whole month you have to figure out how you're gonna how how to prove that you were there that month like whether it's like you have to find old pictures back, everything like that. Like let's say you were in school for a whole week. Well, where were you? You have to prove like a doctor's know where you were sick, dentist, everything. You basically have to prove that you have never left the whole country ever since you arrived to the U.S. You have to make sure that you have the date that you arrived, the exact date and year that you arrived to the U.S. and have never gone back. You have to do the paperwork, and then you have to—it's a lot of paperwork. You have to make sure that everything—and then your lawyer will check that. They will make, like, basically a whole book out of it.
0: You have to pay the lawyer for all of that, yeah. too. And then
1: That's you cool. have to make a whole book out of it, and then it should have the paperwork. The lawyers will say yes or no, you're missing this, or I don't think it could be done, or actually, yeah, this is fine. And then once it's fine, they, you will submit about four applications that it's, like, for the social, then for another at the end, then it's, like— than and just the paperwork mm-hmm. and then and then you have to submit uh think a 1200 or 1400 dollar check wow to the, immig- the immigration what is it called the
0: immigration uh, um
2: the, the department of home security
0: yeah so it's a uh, how much was that again
1: 1200 or
0: 1400 and that's a one-time thing or
1: so that's what time for the application just for the application itself now you could be denied or you could be approved but you're never money. getting that money back Wow and then so you submit it to the Homeland Security then they will check it now they will send like basically a receipt I guess saying that they got it it's usually in Texas it'll so be like oh, we received it in Texas and then you have to wait months mm-hmm. and months and then finally if you're approved be like, well, you're not approved just yet, but you might be. And then it, they'll send you to go to wherever it is, like the big governor, the big um places where you go get your fingerprints done mm-hmm. for like national fingerprints. And so you have to go and there's just they give you a date and you have to make that date. There is no like going back or it's like you have to be there that date. There is no like I need to reschedule. Like, no, you have to be there that day. There's like no, no, ifs, no buts. You have to. And then, okay, you make the date. You, let's say your fingerprints are finally good. They will set, be sent back to them. Then finally, if you get approved. It, the process takes a while. I think the DACA process will, uh, will be the less time that from any other immigration process. But it's because this one is not citizenship. It's just temporary. So by like up to a year and a half. That's how long it takes to
0: see if you're approved or not
1: Yeah and then finally a couple like three months later if you're approved then they should send like the your social security it's like the temporary social security in the mail and then finally you can mm-hmm. you are now fined from deportation and could get a job and you can go to school, go to school and yeah. get the
0: education. And mm-hmm. then if you're denied, then, like, all that money that you put into for the lawyer and for the application and your like, all that information goes to, like, waste.
1: Yeah. And honestly, sometimes people don't want to apply to DACA because of the reason that if they are denied, now the government and everything, they have the paperwork, they have everything that, you know, you're illegal. And a lot of it, sometimes if you're denied, it's, like, usually it's denied for, like, a thing, like, you have to be really careful. DACA students, like... You cannot show that you ever got even, like, a little parking ticket. Like, anything that's even that, they could easily deny. You got a parking ticket, like, no.
0: You got a parking ticket when you were, like, when you were 16. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, it's stuff like that, that even if minor things, they're like, no. And deny you. And then, even then, they could send ICE for you to get deported if you are denied. Because there is nothing stopping them from. So, a lot of people, like... It's a gamble. Yeah, it is a gamble. It's, like, our are you sure you could get DACA? Are you not? And a lot of people are like, I don't want to risk it because then they know my address. They know like my family's address. They know that like all my whole family is illegal and stuff. So it is a scary process because like you said, it is a gamble whether or not they get it. Mm. Yeah. And it, it's, it's pretty scary.
2: I mean, you actually, as an undocumented, you can come to UVU, but mm-hmm. they charge you as an international student. So you actually can come to UVU yeah. if you don't have any, um, you don't need to prove um, you have, Status or not, they have a specific term. What is it? Um, non-resident immigrant, something like that. It's a status, but you get your everything normal, but you just pay as an international student. If you did finish high school here, you can actually pay as a resident. But mm-hmm. there's there's different.
1: It's three years if you were here. You got the H B one forty four, mm-hmm. and that would help you. For Utah Valley University, you apply for H B one forty four if you're undocumented, um and you've like been here basically your whole life, three years, then you will be counted as a resident. They could do like a little waiver. Yep. Yeah. Also, sorry, going back to the whole DACA thing, the the process you were saying. So once actually you also do get DACA, you do have to renew it every two years.
0: So you have to pay the fourteen hundred every you two You have to years? pay five hundred now. Okay.
1: Five hundred every two years. Now, currently not going to lie. I don't know if, if it's renewing every one year, every two years. Because back when Trump was president, um, he did change it to one year. So it did change for a whole year that it would be but renewing he, every one year. He wanted
0: everyone to renew every year. Yeah.
1: Now, the problem with that also is that with the whole um, DACA process as well, when you renew, it takes months. It does take months as well. So it's like you you would have to... Let's say, like, every two years, right? So you would have to apply, honestly, like, the year like, eight months before, like, your thing ends. Because it does take months. Right now, from what I know, DACA is the system, the Homeland Security right now is very, very behind. And there have been people that their DACA has expired. And that, that that's really bad because it's, like, they sent the renewal thing and, like, yeah, the Homeland Security got it. But they are so behind They don't know if it's going to be renewed or not and they have to get fired from their jobs because their social security expired they cannot keep working they cannot and it's very hard because like like i can't just quit in the middle like that once that day expires that that's the day like you cannot keep working your job cannot allow you to keep working there's a lot of doctors and stuff that um DACA recipients that they're they're doctors and they submitted their renewals and stuff but since Homeland's so far behind and everything they have to just, like, write them in there, like a whole hospital, just not go back. And then once it's expired, like, there is no stopping from deporting as well. So right now, since, like, let's say they're expired and Homeland Security still hasn't gone into, like, whether or not they're going to approve them yet or not, right now they are open to, they're back to just being illegal right now. It's just back to, like, they could get deported or not.
2: It's very stressful. I can imagine it could be stressful with someone who's, like, was here and then finally because it's just an example of how backed up things are. So even if you, if you, just say you're a citizen and you apply for a family member to um, come to to join you, to join you here um, as there's a law that lets you sort of apply for them for, to get a green card.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It can take seven years. Now it takes 14, up to 14 years. That's how backed up things are for that immigration paperwork.
0: Wow. But wrapping it all up, um, as we have discussed the immigration and the DACA and the DREAMers, like, how can we be more unified with DACA students?
1: I think even not just only DACA, but undocumented as well, just any students. I think the best way is how Carlos said, one, listening to what they have to say. And then two, I think it's just trying to help out as much as you can. I mean, there is... There's not much you can do, honestly, right now. Even the whole DACA thing right now, it's, um, it's closed. So you can't even apply right now to DACA. New recipients can't apply because a judge in Texas said that when Obama made it, it was unlawful, illegal, illegal and stuff like that. So they still have it for the people that already have it. But new recipients and everything like that, they can't, they can't apply. So that's another process that's really hard and everything. And I mean, DACA recipients pay tens of billions of dollars in taxes, That's why that's the reason that they're not taking it from the ones already having it, but they stop the new people. So it's like a lot of undocumented people here at schools or stuff like that. Yes, they are eligible for DACA, but they cannot apply at the moment because right now new recipients cannot. So I think another thing is like, yeah, there's not much you could do. But honestly, I think one of the biggest things is be aware of it. Be aware that DACA undocumented students, the whole green card process is a lot. It's a lot of money. It's a lot for the families and the students. And I know usually, honestly, I'm not going to lie, usually people, like, protest. People make, like, peaceful protests and stuff like that. And I haven't seen much of DACA here, especially in Utah. I haven't seen much of Dreamers. And I think one of the biggest things is that because people don't know about it. I've, I've talked to my people. They don't know what DACA is. They don't know anything. So I think it's educating people as much as, you know, how you mentioned of, like, do we need to educate them or should they already be educated? But honestly, I think for this one is speak up as much as you can about undocumented students, about DACA recipients, anything like that, that, hey, like we're here and they're not bad people. They didn't have a choice. They want a better life. They want to study. They're studying here at Utah Valley University. Maybe you're not aware that your friends are. Maybe it's simple things. But it's like, it doesn't seem like they're so stressed about it, but they are. And it's a hard thing to be an immigrant, to be undocumented, to be a DACA recipient. It's it's hard. Mm -hmm. And I think just being so aware of it, teaching people, educating people like, hey, you know, this is a thing that's happening right now. You know, like new people, like I said, new undocumented people can't get DACA. Like, that's difficult. That's like, they can't get jobs, you know. College students here, they're probably legible, they didn't get in. They didn't make it to the timeline that it closed right now. And honestly the government right now is not doing much for it and I think that's another thing that's like, hey, like show the government that there is people that know about this, you know? It's like do those little peaceful protests that it shows the government that you need, to, you need to start working for them too. Like, you have to start doing something because right now everything just seems like it's just on pause and they're not working towards any help right
0: now.
2: Yeah, so basically going on what Elvia said, as obviously people who are undocumented and DACA can't vote, mm-hmm. but as allies, we should do, contact your senator, contact your legislator for next year's uh, session. Let's get Stand some up reform. for the people who can, yep. be the
0: voice for those who can't have one right now. Yep. Yes.
2: Have to help them, like, insist mm-hmm. on them. Say, hey, make some reform. Contact uh, the local centre, mm-hmm. the congressman and say, hey, let's get this moving on on the DREAM Act. Yeah. Let's let's see more action on DACA. They only do things and, and they won't do something until you tell them to do something. Mm-hmm. If they don't hear that people are concerned about something, they won't do something It's the about same
0: it. thing. I have been working with a friend to try to pass the Crown Act here in Utah, and a lot of people are not aware of it, so we have to teach them about it and mm-hmm. teach them about the importance of why of why we need to pass this bill, why people should be protected against discrimination based on their hair, um, based on their racial hair. Um, it's the same thing, like, having educating people, getting allies, getting them, like, us, even me, like, standing up for people, like, getting contacted with the senator and like on the senate um you can like follow certain bills and start following bills that impact immigrants whether their family whether they're friends or even your neighbors like you care about them so start following those bills that m- will impact their lives
2: yeah another think just to, again wrapping it up the these issues aren't immigration they're not issues that should be politicized People have families, people care, mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you're a Republican, Democrat, uh, independent, yeah. whatever party, um, get involved in politics, regardless of what party mm-hmm. you, you um, profess to follow or sort of you vote for, get involved and help be the change. Um, mm-hmm. We have all these people in, in the state legislature making decisions for us. If we don't like it, one way to do it is to get involved. The more people who think like us, who think like, who want reform, who want change, who wants a more fair society, the more people of those like this, like, like these people, like us, who want to be, who want a fairer society, that get involved in politics, the more things, the better things will be because more fairer laws will pass.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I think
1: advice, just really quick to wrap it up, I would give a document to students coming to college or anything like that is definitely like i said try to educate people not exactly like you know you don't have to tell someone that you're undocumented you don't have to tell anything anyone but you know if you do also want to make a chance like i said educate as much as you can you don't have to mention yourself just educate and then just know that like as well as utah valley university that there is there are clubs that maybe you're not aware about but be aware about try to see hey like where am i like join lion x clubs join Join the dreamers Club, anything like that, any program that you think might help you trust me, I mean there's not like I said right now currently there's not much we could do. it's not like we could get citizenship it's not anything like that it's not it's not aware that people could get a citizenship or things that you have to be aware of that, but hey, just educating people I mean like hey, at least I have some allies, I have people that understand my situation. And just trying your hardest at school. Like I said, Utah Valley University, you can come to school. You still can, even as undocumented, you can come to school. You could still try to educate yourself as much as you can until hopefully one, thi- one day something does pass and undocumented document students could either reapply to DACA or get a green card, get a pathway to citizenship. But until then, I think right now just do the best for your life. Whether that's coming to college, coming to Utah Valley University or any other university or college. But just being aware of that and being, you know, not giving up hope. I think that would be my best advice. Don't give up hope that something someday something will pass. And just try to educate yourself as much as you can. Educate others about it. And biggest advice would be educating others about it. Because if you really wanted to be known that this is what's happening, tell your friends. Tell others that. Uh, Hey, do you know that this is happening and it's like really affecting others? So I think that's the majority of it, but you know what? Don't give
0: up hope. Okay, ahora para toda la gente y que están escuchando, to everybody that's listening right now, thank you so much for listening in on this episode. A few more words for me before I end this episode is to remember that you are not alone. Even if you feel like you are alone, you will find allies around you, whether you are an immigrant, whether you come from immigrant parents. Whether you are an adult and have children and you have to figure out how to raise them in a whole new country, understand that you are not alone. You will find an ally and they will find you. For those who are not in relation to anything, to what we were talking about, if you want to be an ally, remember to educate yourself and to get involved, like what Alvia was saying, in these communities and these events, these social events, to better understand the Latinx community. Be an ally. And be aware of the allies around you. Notice them and turn to them. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Latinx of Utah Valley podcast. I will be back next week with a whole nother episode. But before ending this episode, I'd like to give a special thanks to our sound engineer, Meg McKellar, for making this show possible, as well as Kevin McLeod for the music,